number four just in these six verses. And tonight should be the last night on these verses, and we should be moving on to other verses. But Paul is urging and talking about how to maintain the unity of the church. And tonight we're going to see what ties it all together and the common elements that we have. And so Ephesians chapter number four. Did anyone not get an outline that needs one tonight? I should ask that while Ryan was standing, but it's always like a signal to me to ask when the ushers sit down. That's a something in me. I should do that better, but it just ends up that way. And so I think you did good. I think everybody got it. So Ephesians chapter number four. I want to encourage you also, we moved, we do prayer at 610. 610 till about 625, 630. It gives us a little bit more time for prayer. And I want to encourage you, maybe come be a part of that. Prayer needs to be an important part of the church. And so it's a great time of prayer together, so let's be involved in that, and that will be good. Ephesians 4, 1, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith ye are called, with all lowliness and meekness, with long-suffering, forbearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, even as ye are called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. If you notice, we've really looked at for the past three weeks, verse 1 through 3. Tonight we're going to look at what are one body, one spirit, one hope, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. We're going to look at these things tonight. Achieving unity in the church is not always the easiest of things. Why? Because you have sinful people. You have unperfect people. There's always going to be something, some division, and just different. We have different thoughts. come from different backgrounds. Some people like gray and some people like brown. Some people don't like either one and they like red. It just everyone has different opinions on things. And in a church, it's important. If we're, after all that we've studied about what Christ has done for us in chapters 1 through 3, Paul is urging the church in Ephesus to maintain the unity. How do we do that? Well, we looked at it. You look at verse number one, or verse number two. Lowliness, it starts with humility on our part. Humility. Only by pride cometh contention. There's no other way that it comes. Lowliness is where it begins. We need to think little of self. Actually, not think of self at all. Focus on the Lord and focus on being good to one another, as we've been studying on Sunday mornings. With all loneliness and then end meekness. We studied meekness last week. Power under control. With long-suffering, forbearing, putting up with one another in love. Now, I would say to you tonight that it's impossible for us to maintain the unity of the church by ourselves. Even if we had all lowliness, meekness, forbearance, and love, if those things all existed, there's still going to be issues, okay? Thank God that it is not up to us alone to maintain the unity that we have. You look at verse, we see here the place of unity in the church is not something that we can bring up in ourselves. The unity of the church is something else we have as the people of God, but once again it rests alone on the grace of God. That's where it comes from once again. And Paul's been teaching us here in the book of Ephesians that God by his grace and through his son, Jesus Christ, has brought all sorts of people, Jews and Gentiles, together into one body. Jews were born under the law. They were subject to the law. Gentiles were 
worshiping dumb idols, I don't know how else to put it, and dumb in their own right, but the Lord puts them together as he sees fit, and the ground of our unity doesn't rest alone in us. Our unity in the body of Christ rests upon certain elements, the elements that we're going to look at tonight as we share as members of his body. All the elements that Paul mentions in these verses are freely given by God and his grace to us. They are the fruit of our relationship with him. These elements are important. Verse 4 through verse number 6, there are seven common elements that all believers in Christ share. He groups these seven elements into three areas that we'll talk about tonight. And these areas serve to teach us that the unity of the church comes from our relationship with the Trinity, the Godhead. We'll see that tonight. Let's have a word of prayer. And we'll dive in. Father, bless the time that we have tonight in your word. We need you and we love you. Thank you for this passage of scripture. And as I've studied it and been studying it, I still feel like I need to keep studying and keep studying. There's so much powerful stuff here. Thank you for your word. I pray tonight that you'd help us as we study this. We'd understand and get what you have for us. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Now we're going to consider the place of our unity. Number one, we see we find our unity in God the Spirit. We find our unity in God the Spirit. Verse number says for there is one body and one spirit even as ye are called in one hope of your calling the spirit of god is greatly involved in the unity in the church and notice what he does to enable us to have unity one of the first things we see letter a is we see there is one body now there are many baptists that like to argue this one here and i want you to understand something all believers in Christ are technically one body. We operate in a local body today. We do. But anyone who's in Christ, we're all part of one body. We don't like that. A lot of times we don't like talking about that. But that's Bible. That's what it says right here. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 goes into greater detail. And there are people, and we'll get to those in just a minute, there are a lot of people that don't agree with those statements. But it's what the Bible says. Many Baptists that have a lot of closed mind that got to understand something. Someday this body, one body, is going to be called out. Like it or not, those who trust Jesus Christ as their Savior and are not Baptists are a part of that body. There are some Methodists that are part of that, and Lutherans, and Calvary Chapel people, and whatever else you want to say that have trusted Christ as their Savior. That's the one body look at what it says first corinthians 12 or as the body is one and hath many members and all the members of that one body being many are one body so also in christ now look at verse 13 and i've had i've had people question me where i stand on this topic and write me nice long letters and where i've stood and i've studied this out and they still don't like my answer but this verse 13 really just sticks out or by one spirit are we all baptized? We'll say, well, Paul was writing that just to the local church in Corinth. Paul was not a member of the church in Corinth. Or was he? You tell me. He wasn't. I'll help you out. For by one spirit we are all, all, all means who? All, right? Baptized into one body. Whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and have been all made to drink into one spirit. People have questioned and asked me before, 
where our stance on the Lord's Supper comes from. Some churches believe it's a closed thing just for the local body of believers. And if they want to believe that, I am totally fine with that and I don't have an issue with that. Some say it should be close. There's a lot of different things. You've got to understand something. When you get saved and you're a child of God, are technically a part of his body. And this is another problem that we have. We like to badmouth, and there are people, I understand, there are a lot of doctrines that I don't agree with that other people have, that they follow. I, I believe in baptism by immersion. A lot of people that believe in baptism in other ways. At the end of the day, baptism does not save you. Jesus Christ saves. We see as we look tonight, we see, we find our unity in God the Spirit. There is one body. When you get saved, you are placed into the body of Christ. Period. So as I said, that body is going to be called out someday to heaven and praise God for it. I am not a universal church guy. We're not a universal church. We have local bodies we operate in today. But we are a part of the body if you are saved. That's what it comes down to. And if you've got more questions about that, you can ask me later on. Let's look at the rest of those verses. Verse 12, there, verse 13 there. Go back one more, sorry. Go back to 13 again. For by one spirit are we all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and have all been made, all made to drink into one spirit. Verse 14, for the body is not one member, but many. And we've read through all these verses in the past, and you can, we'll save some time, and you can read those if you want. But we interact with, the, with those around us using our bodies, right? That's how we interact with people. God interacts with this world through his body, church. He uses the members of the body of Christ to serve him, to spread the gospel, and to live out the truths of God's word in this world. We are placed into the universal body of believers when we get saved. Then we find our place in a local body where we can use the spiritual gifts that God's given us and talents for the glory of God. That's how it works. I'll repeat that in case you missed it. We are all, when we get saved... We're brought into one body, a universal body. But what happens is we find our place in a local body to use our spiritual gifts and talents that God's given us for his glory. That's how God intended it to be. Regardless of what place you occupy within the body, you are united together with all believers in Christ. We see there's one body, letter A, letter B. There's one spirit. Romans 8, verse number 9 tells us, Now if any, at the end of the verse, it says, But you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If so be that the Spirit of God dwelleth in you. Now if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. When you get saved, the Holy Spirit of God comes to live inside of you. I think we understand that. I think we've studied enough scripture to understand that. And we literally, as it talks about in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, we become the temple of God. Right? Yeah. What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own. For ye are bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body and your spirit which are God's. And this same Spirit, the Holy Spirit of God, placed us in the body of Christ, and he took up residence in our life. Romans 8, verse 15 and 16 tells us, For ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. You've got to understand something. The same Spirit that lives inside of me when I got saved is the same spirit that lives inside of you when you got saved. Regardless of the color of our skin, the same spirit that's in me is inside of you. Regardless of your background, the same spirit inside of me is the same spirit inside of you when you're saved. And there are not, you think about this, there are not many spirits out there who bring people out of death into life. 
There's only one spirit that could do it. He's the Holy Spirit. He drew you. He drew me. He saved you. He saved me. He dwells with you. He dwells with me. He quickened you. He quickened me. I think you understand what I'm trying to say. The same spirit that resides in you that are saved is the same spirit that dwells inside of me. You see that the unity, as we talked about, is found in God the Spirit. Because there's one body that he baptized us into, and there's one spirit. Let, let her see. Keep on reading. There's one body and one spirit, even as ye are called in one hope of your calling. There's one hope. You see the words there, called and calling? It refers to the call of salvation. It refers to that time, and we've talked about it, that the Father or the Spirit of God convicted us of our need for a Savior, correct? No, ever been around a dead body? They aren't capable of doing anything. Not how it works. I'm glad those kids are having a fun time downstairs tonight. And they're being nice and loud. My Pray for them down there. My three-year-old, his first time in class tonight. And so that's a little scary down there to me. And so when I hear all this yelling, who knows, he's probably running around throwing his shirt in the air and doing crazy things. He acts just like his mother. That's what all I can say. And uh, you see, he's called us to one hope. And just as you and I are occupied in one body, we have the same spirit, we have the same hope. It should bring unity. The word hope here does not, you know, you think of hope, you think of a wish or a desire. The word hope in the Bible, it refers to a deep, settled confidence based on a clear word from God. Kind of about like what Johnette was talking about tonight when she gave her blessing. That's the hope that we all have. See, we're in one body. We have the one spirit, the same spirit. We have one hope. You say, what is our hope? It's our hope is the fulfillment of the promises that belong to the redeemed in Christ Jesus. It speaks of the blessings that are found in him. Hebrews 13, verse number 5, the Bible tells us, let your conversation be without covetousness and be content with such things as ye have. For he has said, I will never leave thee, I'll never forsake thee. That's our hope. Matthew 28, verse number 20, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I command you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. That's our hope. Jeremiah 33, 3, call unto me, and I will answer thee, and show thee great and mighty things, which thou knowest not. That's our hope right there. Um, Philippians 4, 19, but my God shall supply all your need, according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. That's our hope. That's the one hope that we have. Matthew chapter 6, and we're not going to go through all those verses at the end of the chapter, but, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Have all these things, food, clothes, all these things the Gentiles seek, but your Heavenly Father knows the needs that you have. So seek Him first, and He'll take care of everything. That's our hope. Our hope is Romans 8, verse 17. The fact that it says, And if children, then heirs, heirs of God, and joint heirs with Christ, if so be that we suffer with Him, that we may be also glorified together. That's our hope. That's the one hope that we share in together. It speaks of the blessings of heaven. That's our hope, Titus 2, verse 13 and 14, looking for that blessed hope, hope, right? And the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us, they might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people, zealous unto all good works, our hope. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse number 16, for the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, 
with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. That's our hope tonight. Revelation 21, verse number 4, And God shall wipe all tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death. There's going to be no more sorrow. There's going to be no more crying. Neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. That's our hope tonight. Our hope is John 14, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. And in my Father's house are many mansions. And if it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again. That's our hope. And receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. All of this and so much more, that's the hope we share together. It's the common hope that binds us together in purpose and our service for the Lord. It's this hope that causes us from, to keep us from walking away, it keeps us walking in the Lord. It's this hope that causes us to stay faithful when others fall away. It's this hope that puts a spring in our step, a song in our heart, and a shout on our lips. This hope, we have a common hope. See tonight why we need to maintain the unity in the church and how it can be done? Because first of all, we find our unity in God the Spirit. We're all baptized into one body. We all have one spirit in us. We all have the same hope. Those are the things that unite us. Number two. Whew, I feel like I'm preaching on a Sunday morning here tonight. Where's this energy coming from? My almost four-mile walk today and everything else, I didn't think I had this in me, but you get talking about this, this is more exciting than a football game, right, Louie? Number two, we find our unity in God the Son. Not only do we find our unity in God the Spirit, we find our unity in God the Son. Look at verse number five. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. The Holy Spirit's involved in our unity as believers, but so is the Son. Notice what the Son brings to the table in the elements that he brings. The first thing is letter A, there's one Lord. The word Lord means master or Lord. It refers to one who exercises headship. And this should remind us that there's one who is head of the church. His name is Jesus Christ. And Paul's already talked about his, his high and lifted up position. And he's supposed to have the preeminence in all things. And whether we know it or not, church, guess what? We serve the same master tonight. The pastor, the deacon, some influential family, whatever the case may be that you want to say, i got to understand something, they are not the head of the church. I am not the head of the church tonight. We have a head. His name is Jesus Christ. And we all serve him. The, our Savior, our Lord Jesus Christ, is the head of the body. And just as the head determines the direction of the body, Jesus Christ directs his church. He is our head. Ephesians 4.15, do you have that reference there? But speaking the truth in love may grow up in him in all things, which is the head, even Christ. Chapter 5, verse 23. Now it says, for the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the savior of the body. Colossians 1.18. And he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have the preeminence. You see, it is the Lord Jesus that we seek. It's the Lord Jesus that we want his will. It's the Lord Jesus. It's his gospel that we share. It's his praises that we sing. We serve a common Lord, and that's a basis for unity tonight. And by the way, there's only one Lord. There is no other Lord. 
Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, the life. No man comes unto the Father but by me. And I don't care who you think you might save you, there's only one that does. There's only one way into the body, and it's through the head. It's through Jesus Christ. There's one body. There's one spirit. There's one hope. There's one Lord. Let her be. There's one faith. There's one faith. The word faith can be interpreted in different ways. It can refer to the act of faith that saves the soul and causes a sinner to come become a child of God. It can also refer to the acts of faith that mark the believer's life after he or she is saved. In other words, it can refer to the ongoing life of faithful service and confidence in the Lord, or it can refer to the body of doctrine and all believers hold to be true. I believe when it's talking about one faith here, about there's one set of doctrine that comes to Jesus Christ, contained in and revealed in the Bible through God's Word. This body of doctrine forms the basis of our faith. It teaches us about God, about sin, about salvation. It teaches us what we should believe and how we should behave based on what we believe. So there's one faith. There's one set of doctrinal truths that bind all believers in the Lord. This doesn't mean that we all agree on every matter not going to happen i mentioned this this thing of being all in one body in the lord when we get saved that's what the bible says but there are many people who have a different opinion about it i'm not talking about that i'm not saying we all have to believe the same thing on every topic what i'm saying is there are some unaltered truths that they shouldn't that they don't change and they are right no matter what let me mention to you a few non-negotiable truths tonight first one is this there's one god he is the creator and sovereign over all his creation. There's one savior, his name's Jesus Christ. He's the son of God. He was born a virgin and that matters. It's one of those non-negotiables that we don't argue about. He was born without sin. He lived without sin. He died on the cross to save sinners like you and me. He was buried. He rose again on the third day. He ascended back into heaven where he sits at the Father's right hand, preparing our mansion, waiting for the day that he gets to come collect his bride. There's one Holy Spirit. He draws all men to Christ. He gives them faith to believe in Christ. We say that in chapter number 2. He baptized them into the body of Christ. He indwells them and enables them to live for God in this world. There's one true church, the body of Christ which is made up of believers of every nation, tribe, race, kindred, people, and tongue. The church is the bride of Christ, and one day it will be caught with Christ to spend eternity with her Lord and Savior. We believe the Bible is the Word of God. It's the inspired, preserved, I like to say it the other way, preserved, inspired Word of God. It's inerrant. It has no errors in it. It's believed in its entirety. It's the sole standard of our faith and practice. And it's the word of God that is the final authority in the church. Those are things that are non-negotiable. That's the one faith that we have. And there are many other doctrines that are true that should be believed. Some of them, there's a little room, wiggle room. There are some things there is no wiggle room. And don't ever try to make wiggle room with something there shouldn't be. And church, it's important you know your doctrine. I wonder why in the end so many people are going to fall away, be tossed to and fro, because they don't know doctrine. You will not know doctrine without knowing the Word of God. You need to know the Word of God. Remember this, what you believe determines how you behave. One faith Paul mentions here is something we take in the, from the Word of God and live it out in our lives. We see that under Christ, unity in God the Son, there's one Lord, one faith, let her see, there's one baptism. 
Let's make sure we understand when we use these terms what these terms are. Now, the word baptism refers to our union with Christ or our baptism into him when we're saved. The Holy Spirit baptizes us into Christ. It talks about one baptism right here is not referring to the act that happens in the baptistry. And it's not referring as some people out there have a try to say how have you been baptized by the holy spirit they try to make that a separate event from salvation no when i got saved i was baptized into the spirit by the spirit into christ what the bible teaches that's what that verse teaches us now some people sprinkle some people pour some people do it by immersion i'm an immersion guy that's what the bible says there have been many people who've given their lives throughout history over baptism oh i want you to understand something tonight all the baptism we do, it does not save. It has no saving power. Baptism is a means of identification. When we're saved, we're commanded to follow the Lord in believer's baptism. This is a public, outward statement by the believer that is identifying himself with Christ. It's like me wearing a wedding ring. It states the fact that I'm married. Take the wedding ring off, still married. But I wear it, display the fact. Baptism, what it is, it shows the fact that you've trusted Christ. What happens on the inside is an outward expression of what took place on the inside. You know, there are many believers that don't ever follow the Lord's command in that. A scriptural pattern throughout the Bible, the book of Acts, it's very clear. They come to Jesus, they're saved, but they never follow him in water baptism. You're disobedient to God. And you will not, I, you pro, I promise you this. The Bible talks about the righteous, the, um, oh, I don't want to misquote the verse. Let me turn there for a second. Romans 1. You can turn there if you want, but you're fine staying where you're at. Paul talks about, For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. A lot of times people come in and say, Pastor, I'm not growing in my Christian life. What I tell people, this is my answer every time. You might say I'm wrong. If you think I'm wrong, that's fine. I could be wrong. But I say, when did God tell you to do something and you didn't obey him? The righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. You're not going to grow when you're in disobedience to what God wants you to do. You will never grow into the Christian you're going to supposed to become in the Lord if you're not scripturally baptized. I say, I don't agree with you? Fine, don't agree with me. But the righteousness of God's revealed from faith to faith. Faith to faith. faith. That's the Christian life. We need to be obedient to the Lord. But regardless of that, we go back to the verse we looked at in 1 Corinthians 12, verse 13. For by one spirit we are all baptized into one body. This is the baptism that we're talking about when it comes to this verse that says, One Lord, one faith, one baptism. So water baptism allow, um, allows us to identify publicly with the Lord. The baptism of the Spirit, which we all share in common, allows him to identify himself with us. The baptism of the Spirit is basically this, Colossians 1.27. Do you have that verse? Of course. I thought of, So it basically says, Christ in you, the hope of glory. He enables us to those things. So you got to understand, find our unity in God, the Spirit. One body, one Spirit and one hope. Number two, we find our unity in God the Son. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. And number three, and lastly tonight, <coughs> we find our unity in God the Father. It isn't just the Spirit and the Son that contribute to the unity of the church. The Father's also involved. Notice what Paul says about him and his involvement. The first thing we see, letter A, is his position. He is the one God. This truth that there's one God is foundational biblical christianity the ancient jews said this way in deuteronomy 6 4 hear o israel the lord our god is one lord the, the new testament the early church confirmed it as well first corinthians 8 verse 4 through 6 the bible says as concerning therefore the eating of those things 
are offered and sacrifices unto idols, we know that an idol is nothing in the world, and that there is none other God but one. For though there be that call that are called gods, whether in heaven or on earth, as there be gods many and lords many, but to us there is but one God, the Father, of whom all things, and we in him, and one Lord, Jesus Christ, by whom we are all things, and we by him. Now he tells us James two nineteen. Says, thou believest that there's one God, thou doest well. The devils also believe and tremble. Even the devils know that there's one God. Well, there are so many people that are, that's why the Bible says, the fool has said in his heart there is no God. Everyone knows there's a God. The atheist who says they don't believe in God is just trying to erase the memory of God to erase something that's happened in their life. And by getting rid of God, you're trying to erase the thing that happened. It doesn't work that way. Even the devils know there's one God. Since he's our God, guess what? He's to be feared. Since he's our, the one God, he's to be loved, he's to be believed, he's to be worshipped, he's to be served, he's to be obeyed, he's to be honored, he's to be glorified and magnified by all his creation. The idea of one God is the central hub of all we are and of all we believe. And the basis of our unity in the person of the one God we acknowledge and worship. We find our unity in God the Father and his physician, one God, let her be, his person, he is Father. It reminds us that he's one God, He's also the Father of all those who are in Christ Jesus. As our Father, He loves us, He protects us, He provides for us, He hears our prayers, He secures us in His love and His salvation. As our Father, He takes responsibility for us, for our lives here, and ultimately our lives get, are getting to heaven. And the greatest truths declared in the Word of God is in 1 John chapter 3, verse number 1. Behold what manner... Of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not, because it knew him not. Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be. We know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him. We shall see him as he is. We're members of the same body, church. We have the same Father tonight. We share a unity that transcends every human relationship and every human problem or every human struggle. We share the same Father. He's made us part of His family. Fatherhood of God is the basis for our unity as believers. And then as we talk about this here, about we find our unity in God the Father, we see it in His position, in His person, let us see His power. is above all, and through all, and in you all. The last statement, Paul makes it clear, that the Father is actively involved in the lives of His children. This means that God is the one who is in control of all things. He's over every circumstance. He's involved in all situations. He dwells with his children. When you think of that first one, it says in verse number six, there one God and Father of all. Look at the first one there. It says, who is above all? What does that mean? Guess what? No power can overcome him tonight. No government can stop him tonight. No one can thwart his power. He is God over all things from the very heights of heaven all the way to the scorched floors of hell. Every star follows its course because he gave it to him. Every molecule in the universe does what it does because he is above all. Not only is he above all, but he is through all. This means that God is working in all things to accomplish his eternal purposes. He knows what he's doing, and we can trust him in what he's doing. And then the last one about him, it says, and in you all. We know the Spirit of God dwells within us. We're informed here... The God who creates and controls the universe also dwells with his children. He unites us in his power, his purpose, 
and his presence. One of the best commentaries I've read on the book of Ephesians is Dr. John MacArthur's. This is what he said about this passage here. He says, That comprehensive statement points to the glorious, divine, eternal unity that the Father gives believers by His Spirit and through the Son. We are God-created, God-loved, God-saved, God-fathered, God-controlled, God-sustained, God-filled, and God-blessed. We are one people under one sovereign over all, omnipotent through all, and omnipresent in all God. If any people in the history of the world had a basis for unity the church of jesus christ one father has created one family one son has given us one faith one hope and one baptism and one spirit has created one body god has created a unity within his church that can never be broken or shattered as the godhead itself man wrote this he says no more possible to split the church than it is possible to split the godhead and we know we've seen churches split and we've seen issues that happen there and different things. But we want to understand something. The body of Christ can never be split. It stands complete and united in the power of God. We're all different. But we serve the same God. We're all members of the same family, like it or not. We're family. <laughs> we are. We're all indwelled in the Spirit of God. We're headed to the same heaven. We believe the same things. Thus, we must do everything within our power to live in the unity that's been given to us in Christ. It's not automatic, but when you've got God doing his things, we got to step up loneliness, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another in love. We can preach all we want to. That's our love for one another and our unity in the Spirit of God proclaims our uniqueness, uniqueness to the world. Our love and unity demonstrates the truth that we're real, that God's working in us. Throughout this past four weeks, and I had an invitation at all, but tonight we're going to. I know you say it's a Wednesday night and we're having an invitation. Don't worry about it. You'll be all right. We need to maintain the unity of the church. How do we do that? We've got to remove pride, lowliness. We need weakness, power under control. We need to be long-suffering with one another. We need to put up with one forbearance and put up with one another. And you know how we can do it? Look at all the elements God's given us. Put us all in one body when we got saved. He's given us one spirit. That same spirit that's in me, it's in you tonight. We all have the same hope. We talked about that hope. We have one Savior, one, one Lord, Jesus Christ. We have one faith. We have one baptism. We have one God. And he's all of our fathers tonight. And he's above all. Nothing's greater than him. He's through all, meaning he's here and everything that goes on. He's in each of us. We can do our part unified with his help. Father, bless.